This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey everyone, I'm Meg Teets and this is Sorta Awesome. Welcome back, Awesomes. You are listening to the show that is all about helping you be smart, strong, and social. We are in your earbuds every single week with all the awesome that you need to know. And you can also find us on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show or over on Facebook in our Sorta Awesome Hangout group. This is episode 181 of the show, and we hope that you are loving our start on 2019. We are so excited about the year ahead and we really want to get as many people as we can in on our awesome revolution. And one super easy way to do that is if you, awesome, will take a moment to rate and review Sorta Awesome in Apple Podcasts. Lots of people use Apple Podcasts to find their newest podcast fix. And so When you leave those ratings and reviews for us there, it truly helps other people to find our show. And if you aren't on Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to just tell a friend or an awesome family member just how much you love Sorta Awesome in a super easy way to pass the show on to them is just give them the link to our little corner of the web, our website, which is SortaAwesomeShow.com. Hey, Awesomes, it's Meg with some really exciting news. You can now listen to our entire back catalog completely ad-free exclusively on Stitcher Premium. That's right. All of those group shows, our seasonal top 10 episodes, and all of our guest co-hosts and more are now at Stitcher Premium. In addition to our archive, you can also listen to every new episode of Sorta Awesome ad-free, as well as tons of other ad-free, wondery shows. Plus, with Stitcher Premium, you'll get access to hundreds of hours of original content, audio documentaries, and exclusive bonus episodes from some of your other favorite podcasts. You can sign up now for a free month of Stitcher Premium by going to stitcherpremium.com slash wondery and using promo code Wondery. Then once you've gotten signed up, just download the Stitcher app for iOS or Android and start listening. That's stitcherpremium.com slash Wondery and promo code Wondery. Okay, like I said, this is episode 181 of Sorta Awesome. And you know, we are focusing this year on awesomes know how. We're going to be talking about all the things that we already know how to do, as well as what we want to learn how to do this year. I'm so excited about this week's episode because I'm joined this week by an awesome who really knows what she's doing when it comes to having fascinating, interesting, and sometimes controversial conversations with people. Colleen Powell is a writer, podcaster, and an unprofessional dinner party host. She hosts a podcast called A Year of Listening, where she's trying to reclaim the lost art of civil discourse. Colleen is also a wife and a mother of four, which means that most of her brain power is spent keeping track of who went first last time, which editors note, hashtag relate. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Colleen. Welcome to Sorta Awesome. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. I'm really excited about this topic because this is an issue that comes up often in our awesome community, this idea of like, 
we recognize that there's become a conversational divide, mm-hmm. you know, not only yeah. in our big culture, but like in our families and in mm-hmm. our friendships. Mm-hmm. And so it comes up often, like, how do we actually do this? So I'm so thankful that you took time to come to sort of Austin, because not only are you going to tell us about what you've learned through a year of listening, but also like help us to know on a practical level, like how do we actually do this? So yeah. thank you so much for your time, Colleen, and coming to the show today. Oh, absolutely. I'm thrilled. Okay. Well, we're going to get to all of that here in just a few minutes, but first let's do go ahead and start this show the way we always do with our awesomes of the week. It's that moment in the show where we take just a few minutes to tell you all about the movies, the TVs, the podcasts, the products, whatever it is that's making life just a little bit more awesome for us right now. Colleen, I'm so excited to hear what you brought. Well, I am, I'm always like two to three years late to anything that is awesome. I'm just, I'm a (laughs) terrible picker. (laughs) No worries. I get it so much. (laughs) So this is like old. Everyone's going to be like, yeah, we know about this, but I have recently discovered Brooklyn Nine-Nine, the television show. And oh my gosh, it is so awesome. Uh, I've got nothing done in January, which is not great because this is supposed to be the month where you get like all the things done. (laughs) Right, yes. But I have been watching a lot of Brooklyn Nine-Nine and it's the same creators and producers of The Office and Parks and Rec, which are two shows that I just super loved. And it has that like ensemble cast, kind of quirky humor. I just love it. It'll make your heart happy. It'll kind of feel like you're getting to dip back into some of those worlds that were created on those other shows and such a good show. Super funny. This is the best time of year, I feel like, to really dig into a comedy, especially one that you're like, you've been hearing a lot of buzz about, but what for whatever reason, you just never got around to it. It, Because, you know, we're kind of in the doldrums of winter. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. why not just tune into something that's going to make you giggle? So you, yes, you need it's a perfect time for binging. And all of the episodes are on Hulu right now. So okay. it's perfectly bingeable. So good to know. So good to know. Hulu is one of those services that we kind of go back and forth on like, we'll yeah. totally binge a show. And then we'll be like, okay, now we're done with Hulu. Yeah. <laughs> and then someone yeah. will be like, oh, this is on Hulu. And they'll be like, all right, we'll fire up the Hulu <laughs> subscription again. <laughs> I know it's kind of, I feel like Netflix sometimes has better content, but then Hulu's got the stuff that's like relevant now. It's yeah. hard, you know, you just yes. kind of bounce back between the two. I get it. Totally, totally. Okay, so fun. We will totally put that link in the show notes if you all have not checked out Brooklyn Nine-Nine. That's a show that I sort of watched in the beginning and then life happened and I've yeah. kind of fallen off with it. But I do remember it being very funny. So, yeah, so fun. Okay, well, my awesome this week is music which Mm. it's been a hot minute since we have really talked about music around here. But it's a really fun and upbeat album that is really perfect for dancing and just sort of bopping around again through the slog of winter days that are ahead of us. Yeah. So the album is called Blossom and it's by a group called Milky Chance. (laughs) (laughs) Which I don't know why. You know, band names are a fun thing. I have never heard of this band. I'm like really intrigued now. I'm going to have to look it up. Yes, totally. So Milky Chance is a German folk group, I guess, is the the best way to describe it. Oh, my gosh. I should have run through what I was going to say first because now I'm like, these are funny words that I'm putting together. It's (laughs) got the buzzwords for just something awesome. Yeah, exactly. All the potential. But truly, like I said, they are German. Their music is kind of a fusion of like folk and reggae and pop and electronica. So even if you do think like Colleen, that you haven't heard of this band, I bet you probably have heard their debut hit, which did come out a few years back. Gosh, it's been a while now. Back in 2013, it's called Stolen Dance. Hmm. And actually... I think it's one of those songs that you're like, oh, that sounds familiar. I think I heard this playing like in a Starbucks one time. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, Kyle heard that song on the radio the other day and came home and in his usual like INTJ type five mode, he did like a total deep dive (laughs) (laughs) on the band. Yes, totally. And he had me check out this album, which is like I said, it's called Blossom. It came out in 2017. So I'm like you, Colleen, I'm a few years behind on, on this stuff. It's all right. Still relevant. 
Totally still relevant. Yes. So I've been listening to it a ton and it really is so awesome for background music right now. Every track on this album is really up-tempo. The lyric writing is really nice. It's very cool and almost kind of melancholy, but they have these really thoughtful, like melancholy-ish, deep thinking lyrics, but it's all juxtaposed with like really fun, dancey beats. Hmm. So some of my favorites on the album are the title track, Blossom. I also like another track called Clouds, and I super, super love a song called Cocoon. The chorus says... Let's go back to our cocoon on this blackened afternoon. I see your heart is bleeding too. Let me bleed instead of you. cocoon idea. It's the perfect midwinter bop to keep you really from kind of falling into those gray weather blahs. So I love it. And I have three little girls who just love to dance. So I feel like we might need some new music, our dance repertoire. So I will check them out. Yes. And although I haven't like previewed all of the lyrics to see if they're like totally family friendly, I will say that it's like, I will be surprised if there was anything that was a little bit, you know, kind of off color in any Mm -hmm. It's really good for just kind of having on as background music. So awesome. Very dancy. Yeah. So I will drop a link in the show notes to Milky Chance, to this album Blossom, as well as to Brooklyn Nine-Nine so that you all can go check it out and get your fix of something kind of sparkly and happy to get you through the winter weeks ahead. And as always, we want to hear what's awesome in your life right now. So Make sure that you're following us over on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show, where we ask you every Friday morning about your awesome of the week. We also talk about it every Friday in our Facebook group. If you haven't joined our Facebook community, we would love to have you. There's over 5,000 women in our Sorta Awesome Hangout, and we talk about all kinds of things, all kinds of recommendations, all kinds of advice giving and question answering and all of that. We would love to have you because we also every Friday talk about our awesomes of the week over there as well. So if you haven't joined us on Facebook, we would love to have you. You can find us at facebook.com slash groups slash sort of awesome hangout. Okay, awesomes, let's go back in time all the way back to winter of 1996. That's when my now husband of 20 years, Kyle and I, started dating and our very first holiday together was Valentine's Day. I learned early on that shopping for this man was not going to be easy. I wish we had back then what we do have now that makes shopping for men so much easier and that is man crates. Man crates knows what guys like and they have hundreds of gift options so you know you'll find the perfect surprise just for him. These gifts are totally unique. Most gifts ship in a sealed wooden crate with a crowbar, and opening them is an experience he will never forget. Man Crates offers unique gifts like the personalized barware crate with personalized pint glasses and bottle opener, or the pizza grilling crate with pizza stones and a two-sided dough roller that he's sure to use all the time. Or you can check out Man Crates take on Valentine's with a jerky heart. That's what I got Kyle. It's a heart-shaped box full of beef jerky. They also have the salami bouquet. The name says it all, you guys. You can give an unforgettable Valentine's Day gift this year. Plus, every man crate comes with 100% satisfaction guarantee. So get them a man crate plus one of their meaty Valentine's gifts and save. Just for Valentine's Day, get 14% off when you spend $100 or more at mancrates.com slash awesome. That's 14% off when you spend $100 or more at mancrates.com slash awesome. Mancrates.com slash awesome. Well, speaking of our Hangout community, this is a topic that I am so excited to tackle because it does come up in our awesome community a lot. It's something that I'm sure every single awesome is fully aware of. It's becoming Mm. harder 
and harder in our culture to just be able to have like conversations (laughs) (laughs) with, you know, with people that hold maybe some different views than us. And I don't know, Colleen, if it's something, do you feel like it's something that's kind of happened in maybe like the past five years or? I think, I mean, that I've noticed, I think it's probably been slowly happening over time, but I think it's become most noticeable in the last probably five years. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. It really does. Well, I mean, I think all of us know that our culture has moved in a way. There's like this rift in our understanding of each other, of Mm -hmm. our even having the desire to talk to each other and listen to each other. And I think it leaves a lot of us feeling like we're, you know, feeling a little bit more lonely or even more disappointed or discouraged. Again, I kind of alluded to this at the top of the episode, but it's one thing to sort of see like, oh, this news channel really doesn't speak to the way I view the news anymore or, you know, something kind of Mm -hmm. big like that. But then when it is affecting day-to-day conversations or, you know, affecting our ability to really reach out and make new friends or to understand even our own family members, it can be really, can kind of leave us feeling stuck and, you know, kind of discouraged. So, Yeah. yeah, yeah. But Colleen, you are an awesome who knows how to do this. You have <laughs> devoted just like a whole entire podcast yeah. to, <laughs> to practicing this art of listening. So let's just start right there at the beginning of this project. Where did the inspiration come from to even start a podcast? Because I mean, this is a bold move. It is hard work to get a podcast up and running and to have new conversations every week. But you like went the extra step forward. You're like, not only am I going to start producing a podcast, but we're going to have some conversations that really ask us to sit back and listen. So just tell me from the beginning, how did this all start? Well, I think like a lot of people, the 2016 election was really hard and frustrating. And in that, I think a lot of it was just the way we were talking to each other and talking about these issues. It just felt everything was so combative and it just felt very kind of like we were just crazy. And so after the election, I got the idea for the podcast. I think I probably bought that domain even in January of 2017. And then I kind of just sat on it. I'm in ENFP and an Enneagram 9. So I like you. I I know. (laughs) I know. And yeah, so, we're totally like seeing eye to eye on I've all of this. Great so. ideas. I don't always have great follow through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I sat on it and I sat on it for a year almost. And in the kind of late summer, early fall of 2017, I had a couple of different conversations. One that went really well and one that went really terribly. Mm-hmm. And the one that went terribly, it was with a relative. And I mean, it wasn't, we weren't like, you know, fist fighting by the end of it. But in the conversation, we were talking about politics and things of that nature. And neither one of us was listening to each other. We were just waiting for our turn to speak and to try to get our point across. It wasn't even about changing their mind even. I don't even know what it was about. By the end of it, it was just, we walked away no better off and really not having seen each other at all in that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And then simultaneously around that same time, after the Las Vegas shootings, I had an interaction on Facebook of all places, which is the funniest part of the whole thing, because Facebook can be the real dumpster fire of, <laughs> yes, of these conversations. Can. Yes. <laughs> but I put on Facebook, I said, it was after the Las Vegas shootings. And I just said, listen, I'm not a gun person. I don't understand guns. I don't really want to own guns. But I need people who are gun people, people who do want to own guns. I need you to help me understand why assault rifles are necessary or important? What are you using them for? Why is fighting to keep your right to own them so important? I need to understand this. And I said in the post, I said, you know, if you are not a gun person, I don't actually want to hear from you. Please don't Mm. chime in. Like this isn't a room for debate. I'm really genuinely trying to learn. I said, if you're not respectful, I will delete it, you know, but I'm really trying to understand this issue. And a couple of people came back with thoughtful remarks Some other people asked good questions and kind of went back and forth. And it was this all around really positive interaction about this issue where I left not having necessarily changed my own mind about guns, 
but understanding the issue better, understanding the nuance, understanding some things about guns that I didn't understand and was better able to think about it and talk about it moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, truly, let's all pause and just like reflect on how amazing that is that that happened because genuinely, I mean, like Facebook comments are usually where good conversations go to die. Exactly. Exactly. The fact that something productive and helpful and thoughtful came from a Facebook post where you genuinely, not in a combative way and not in a, you know, being on the defense, but in a sort of open hearted way, wanted to listen. I mean, that's pretty incredible that even happened. Yeah. Yeah. It is remarkable. I mean, when I think about what started the podcast, it really was those two interactions and the feeling that I got after that Facebook interaction versus the conversation with my relative, where it was like, I just felt hopeful and I felt like, okay, well, we can do this. Like we can talk about this. We can get to a better place with this issue that felt so hopeless for so yeah. long. And I thought, well, I want to keep doing that. Like I want to keep trying to talk about this well, because that's the only way we're going to move forward. It's the only way we're going to find any middle ground and find any place of nuance and compassion and understanding. Absolutely. So you had already, but you already kind of had in mind doing some kind of project with listening. I had the domain and I had the idea to have a podcast where you talked about it, but it was this idea of seeing those two things in action that kind of pushed me over the edge to then I started emailing people that I wanted to have come on and talk to me. I started thinking about the issues. I actually built the website and, you know, did all the work. And then in January of 2018, we launched our first episode. I sat down with a friend who is a police officer and we talked about police reform and the Black Lives Matter movement. Oh, wow. That's a pretty big place to start, Colleen. That's amazing. And this is a friend who does not agree with me. I mean, that was one of the reasons why he was the very first person I asked. And it was because I said, you and I, we often don't see eye to eye. And we often have these conversations where we're like, how do you think that way? Yes. Which is why, but he also is very good at having these conversations. And so I knew I wanted to have him on because he was fair and he was thoughtful. And I knew he would listen as much as I was going to listen. And so that was our very first episode. That is amazing. I mean, truly talk about just like, leaping right in and starting with one of the conversations that really can be the hardest to talk about. I'm super curious as you were like, even as you were starting to reach out to people and starting to record your conversations with people, what were some of the initial like sort of roadblocks that you ran into? Or did you have any challenges that you're like, maybe gave you pause, like, am I going to really move forward with this project? Yeah, I think finding the right people was a big thing. You always sort of got to the end of, you know, a couple of people, I'd have a string of interviews. And then I was like, okay, now who's next? And Mm -hmm. I think part of it is that I'm really careful about who I have on for these conversations, not because I think that only certain people's opinions matter. But I think part of the problem with a lot of these conversations is that as a country, we aren't always dealing with good facts. We aren't always dealing with the right perspectives or personal experience. And so I wanted to make sure when I talked about these issues, I wanted to talk to the people who had a stake in the ground on the issue. And so, you know, like my police officer friend, I didn't want to talk to somebody who just thought, you know, the blue lives matter is important without being a police officer. Like, I think there's something about your experience there that gives you some credibility and some understanding of the situation that an average person might not. And then also you want to invite people on that are going to also be good listeners. You know, I don't want to record a conversation where one person is just having a diatribe of their beliefs for an hour and I just sit there and go, okay, okay, because there's no room to have the conversation. So finding people who are willing to kind of enter into it, knowing that this is the game that we're really thinking and listening and going back and forth. I think that's important. And that's sometimes hard to find people who want to do that. Yeah. And I think probably as you were starting out, like you started with a friend who's a police officer Mm -hmm. was probably such a great place to start because you do, if you have some of that foundation of, you know, either friendship or if it's a colleague or, you know, there's some kind of foundation there already. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking that it probably does kind of pave the way for it to be an actual conversation. And like you said, not just one person just like spouting their views for, you know, 30 minutes or whatever. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I love that. As you have gotten going, and here you are, you finished 
a year of listening. This is amazing. As you think back over the year of producing this podcast, what have been some of the biggest surprises for you? I think for me, one of the biggest surprises was what it did in me. Early on, you know, when you start the show, I don't have like a following. It's not like I'm some celebrity that's like, oh, I'm going to do a podcast and millions of people are listening. Right, right. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So I think early on, there was this sense for me of it really didn't matter if anyone was listening because what it was doing in me to have these conversations week after week was just really important. And Mm. I would do it if there was no microphone or, you know, anybody listening, but the fact that there was, was even better. I think it just, it was changing the way I thought about things. It was changing the way I looked at the newspaper or the way that I engaged with social media. You know, I found it harder and harder to be on places like Twitter or Facebook Mm -hmm. because those echo chambers are just not good. They're not good for you to be able to then go into a conversation with somebody you disagree with and be able to listen well. Yes. You know, speaking of Twitter, I'm like almost never on Twitter Mm -hmm. now. And I do think a lot of it is because I see, and again, maybe it is our innate type nineness where we see all viewpoints at the same time. (laughs) But I see conversations happening on Twitter that probably for the most part are outside of the context of any kind of like friendship or knowing each other. Even if it's an online friendship, it can be just like drive by criticism and taking people's words apart. I think that in that, in some ways that can be instructive because sometimes we do need someone that doesn't have any, you know, problem telling us like, you really misspoke when you said this or those kinds of things. But at the same time, I think that some of that sort of Twitter piling on mentality can actually make us more hesitant to engage conversations, even in real life, because Mm -hmm. we're afraid we are going to like misspeak or Mm -hmm. say the wrong thing or accidentally offend someone like truly out of ignorance or just not knowing or whatever offends somebody. And so Mm -hmm. we see like these big flare ups on Twitter. And it's like, well, I, I mean, again, this may be a very type nine thing to do, but it makes me be like, I don't, I'm probably never going to talk to anybody about this because I don't even know what to say. I don't know how to say it, you know? Yeah. And I think I found myself feeling like there's just this one-sided viewpoint on an issue Mm -hmm. within Twitter. And if you want to wade into the nuance, if you want to try to understand the other side, it's almost as though you're betraying your beliefs. Yes. And Twitter doesn't have a lot of room to try to think about it the other way or to try to understand where someone's coming from. You know, on Twitter, it's very, this is awful. This is terrible. You're wrong, whatever it might be. And so I found that if I was listening to that too much, it wasn't making me brave to go into someone who I disagreed with kind of camp and try to understand. Totally makes sense. Absolutely. What, if you don't mind saying, are there any of the topics that you've covered that just kind of like for your own personal comfort, like outside of being able to be like, this is an important topic that people need to hear healthy conversation around. Were there topics that you were like, I feel really squirmy or uncomfortable, or I don't even know how I feel about this, but you decided to kind of push forward with creating a conversation around it. Yeah. One of the first conversations that I was like, actually sweaty having a conversation about President Trump. And my guest was a very ardent Trump supporter, and I'm very critical of Mm -hmm. him. Mm -hmm. And we talked about it. And I don't know, I don't look at that conversation as like, even really an example of the best conversation about it. I think there were a lot of ways in which neither one of us did great. It's such a difficult, heated topic and people are defensive in that on both sides, I think. But it was one that I think when I look back on it, I'm glad we waded into it and I'm glad we stayed in it. I think there were a lot of points in that conversation where we could have just said, forget it, this is dumb, this is too much or whatever. And we just kind of kept trying to understand each other or to hear each other and to hear kind of the thing behind the thing. Yes. Which is important. And so that was one that was definitely just a conversation I was really nervous about and nervous to put out in the world. Another one that we had was abortion. I had a conversation about abortion and Mm -hmm. I spoke with a pro-life activist who's been arrested for her pro-life activism. Oh, wow. Yeah. And while I tend to be more pro-choice in, I guess, how I think that we need to deal with the issue. So I kind of argued the other side of that in a way that was hard because this issue is very nuanced and I have a hard time even articulating always 
sure. how to talk about this. But that was another one where I felt like I felt worried that people were going to be mad at me. It was one of the ones where I was more personal in my mm-hmm. own beliefs in it. But that was another one that I think it was important for people to hear two people disagree and be okay for it. You know, I mean, there were definitely points where it didn't get snarky, but there were like little points of tension. And then we kind of figured out how to get away from them. And that's real life, right? Especially, I mean, this is a stranger. This is a person that I don't know. And I have no real invested emotional interest in. So imagine how much more tension is there when it's somebody that you love and that you care about and that you care what they think or what they don't think. And so I think that idea of really being able to deal with attention and then work out of it. And it's real life and it's important to be able to do that. Well, let's kind of take that idea and run with it a little bit because Mm -hmm. I really want to explore, especially because again, this is our year to learn how to do things. And so I'm so hopeful that every awesome who's listening right now, I mean, there could be a part of us that are just, we're sitting back and we're like, Colleen, you are awesome for doing this. And you are, (laughs) I mean, make no mistake, you absolutely are. But it would be easy to kind of just like walk away from this and be like, I'm really glad that there are people doing this very important work in the world, but it doesn't really translate into how we think we might approach something like that. So I kind of want to talk about just like taking a step back and looking at the big picture as you are thinking about, you know, sort of the average awesome who's out there listening, who's going about her day-to-day life, whether she's on her commute to work or family life or whatever's happening. What would you say, you know, sort of like philosophically, like why, why have these conversations? Why risk getting into, like you said, wading into it to have conversations that can make us literally physically sweat, Mm -hmm. that can cause us to see like somebody dropped off of our friend list on social media or whatever. Like, why would we want to do this? (laughs) Well, (laughs) especially for those of us who are a little more conflict averse. Conflict averse. <laughs> exactly. Well, it doesn't have to be conflict, which is important to remember. But I think the biggest thing that I've learned in this project and the thing that I carry with me into every conversation is this idea that we need each other. And not just like a human, like we need each other as humans. We do. And that is as community, as people, we need other people. But we also could just stick with the people that think like us and it would be a lot less conflict and a lot less, it would be a lot easier if we just stuck in our little tribes of everybody that thinks and believes like us. Yeah. But, and I think the Enneagram has been really helpful, actually. I know people are probably like, oh, I'm so sick of the Enneagram. It's it's having (laughs) quite the moment right now. Yeah, so I'm not sick of it. Please feel free. (laughs) For those of us that love the Enneagram, one of the things that I love about it is that each number in this circle has its own strengths and its own weaknesses, its own way of looking at the world. And no one number has it right. No one number gets Mm. it perfectly. Mm -hmm. And ideally, a group of people that kind of represent all the numbers is going to see that issue from all sides, is going to understand all the complexities of it, and is going to be able to solve the problem. And what happens is when we go to our own tribes and we go to the people that just think like us, we don't end up solving the problems. We may end up fixing it the way we think is best, but there's going to be things that we don't see or things that we're not aware of or ways of thinking about it that we're just not in tune to. And so ultimately, at the end of the day, we need each other to be able to actually solve the big problems. Yeah. But that's that's hard, right? So hard. It's also giving me chill bumps to hear you say that because. I think it is absolutely so true that when we just retreat to our echo chambers where it's safe and we, you know, feel confident in what we're saying to each other because we know we're not going to face any resistance, you know, in the response, that we are depriving ourselves of really kind of getting a grasp on the bigger thing that's happening. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I genuinely... Again, this is, we are wired the same, but I've never really thought about having these conversations from that perspective of like, no, we need everybody's voices in this topic so that we can hear all of the perspectives that there are to hear. Right. And I think that's the hard part about it though, is that means I have to value the way that you go about a situation as highly as I value the way that I go about a situation. And, you know, I think in marriage, that's something my husband and I are very different. 
and he's so much more logical and I am all kind of feelings and emotions. Mm -hmm. And I think there's times and places for both. And it's a dance to kind of value each person's strengths and what they bring to that and know that without the other person, the whole thing is going to fall apart. I mean, if we just relied on my feelings about things, we would not have food on the table. But if we only were logical about things, our kids' maybe emotional needs wouldn't be taken care of. So you really need to understand that both are really important and you can't necessarily sacrifice one for the other. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That makes so much sense. It really does because it really does bring that sense like appreciating and like you said, valuing. I think that that honestly, truly, Colleen, is at the root of this breakdown in communication. If we like trace that, if we kind of pull the cord a little and go back a little, a few steps back, that the breakdown in communication happens when we stop valuing what other people are bringing to the conversation because we have prejudged or even just like we've just gotten tired of, let's say, the rhetoric from this end of the argument or whatever. And so when we've stopped valuing it, then we've definitely have stopped listening. And that's key part of how this communication breakdown is happening. Yeah. I think the other part of this is that it's also the idea of power is really the thing that we're not talking about either. And so when we think about our politics, rather than it be about working together to solve the problems that our country is facing, we're just trying to get the most amount of power so we can do it however we want to do it. And I think once we start to have these conversations and we start to talk to people who think differently than us and try to understand where they're coming from, it becomes less about having the power to control and more about saying, oh, I see what your problem is. I see what you're saying and why my solution may not help you. Mm. So how do we find a better solution that helps everybody? Yes, that truly makes so much sense. And the power dynamic, I think, really is huge. And it feels like there's a lot at stake in some of these conversations, even if we're not particularly like the policymakers and the people who are actually, you know, making big changes in our culture. It feels like all of these issues, in addition to the communication breakdown, I do feel like that feels so much more high stakes than it used to. Yeah. And maybe with good reason, maybe like we're sort of collectively waking up to think about power in a different way, the power that each of us have to make little changes where we can in our own circles of influence. And so maybe whereas before we would have been totally happy to float through life and never give gun control a single butt. <laughs> right. But now we're like waking up to a sense of like, oh, wait, I actually, I'm a human on this planet right now. I have a responsibility to, you know, sort of fill in the blank. But then that kind of makes our conversations feel like so high stakes that it can be intimidating to even start to wade into what is at stake with each topic as it comes up. Right. And I think that's the good bad of social media, right? Is that now we have no excuse not to know how certain things affect certain populations of people or certain people that aren't like us. I think, you know, 50 years ago, you never had to think about how exactly. some of these issues affected others. And now with social media, it's really in your face a little bit more. And so that's, I think, where some of the high stakes comes into is mm -hmm. it's not like we can't just kind of insulate ourselves. Yes. And so for some people, that causes us to move towards action. And then for others, I think it causes people to be defensive. And so both of those dynamics can make it really difficult to talk about these things. Definitely. That makes so much sense. That's such a great insight. Okay. So we've kind of talked about why, and I think those are some brilliant points about why we want to actually do it. I think it's really important too, particularly for those of us who either A, are more conflict averse or B, tend to be a little bit more sort of like you were just saying, the dichotomy between being emotion driven and logic driven those of us who are more emotion driven may feel like, oh, I don't want to have this conversation because I'm going to start crying mm -hmm. or I'm going to get really upset. I'm going to get really mad at this family member who I really love. And I just don't even want to go there. I think it's so important for those of us who are sort of wired that way to kind of tap into that philosophical importance. Like if we can grasp, if we can really hang on to, now this is important because number one, we need each other or we need to be able to hear other people so we can bring balance or so that we can educate ourselves or just whatever the thing is that we can kind of use our emotion geared personalities to give us the energy, I guess, 
to mm-hmm. really exert ourselves and move into these conversations. So I do think that understanding the why of why we would do this is so, so important. So thank you for sharing all of that. All right, now let's get down into the nitty gritty. The nitty gritty, <laughs> the dirty. Yeah, get, we'll just get our hands dirty in this part because let's talk about practically. I mean, you are an awesome who knows how to do this. We need you to literally tell us how do we do this? What are some things that you've kind of picked up along the way? A year of having these conversations, what can you tell us that you've learned that will help us as we start to take some steps forward into practicing the art of listening and the practice of engaging these conversations? So I think to start off, I think there's some things that we need to do in our own selves in order to be better prepared to have these conversations. And I think there's some personal work that happens, some things that we need to do. So one of the things that is really important, I think, is to understand personal stories that are at stake in these issues. And so I think for me, this means using social media to follow people whose voices are different than mine, whose experiences are different than mine. So I can really understand the stories that are at stake with these issues. So when we talk about race in America, I'm a white woman. And so there's only so much that I can understand in my own perspective. Sure. If I follow lots of people of color and hear their stories and understand what this issue is for them, mm-hmm. I already am entering into the conversation kind of with some eyes wide open. Yeah. yeah. And the good news is social media makes that easy. Fiction is a great way. I find fiction books around some of these issues. If there's an issue that you just kind of find yourself really riling up against, if you find yourself saying, I don't understand how anybody could think this way and why is this even an issue, go and read some fiction about this issue, a story that deals with this issue. That's a great entry point. Or read nonfiction around the issue. But I think doing a little bit of understanding about the story, about the personal narrative that goes with some of these issues, because that's the thing. These issues are personal. They would not be so high stakes. There would not be so much difficulty attached to talking about them if it wasn't deeply personal to people. Totally. Yes. And so the more we can understand why, the better. Yeah. But facts are also really important. And so we also need to be really well educated on these issues. And one of the biggest things in this year, if I could say there was a theme in every conversation about what the problem is, why are we having a hard time talking about whatever issue it was, a lot of it came back to the news. A lot Mm. of it came back to, we can't trust our news sources. They're too biased either way. And so how do we even really know what is fact? Yeah. And I think that's really true. And I think we have to be really careful and intentional about what news sources we listen to. I also think it's important to listen to news sources that are more biased to understand how they're talking about an issue. And there is a website called allsides.com. Yes, I love all sides. It's so helpful. So helpful. Super helpful. And I think it's a website for those people that don't know anything about all sides, where it takes the news stories kind of by issue and it shows you a news source that is typically more right leaning, a news source that is typically more left leaning, and then one that falls more in the center. And it kind of rates it. There's like a far left, middle left, center, middle right, far right, you know, whatever it is. Yes. It's a good way to just see, oh, the news source that I go to 100% is rated far right or rated far left. And that's helpful even in and of itself to be like, oh, maybe this is not as unbiased as I thought it was. Yes. And I try not to camp out at anything that's on the far sides. I think the middle left and right are good places to go. And then center, things that are in the center are really good sources to kind of get your facts and your news from. And I think it's important to just be conscious. I think as we gather our information, we live in an age where it is not as unbiased or as black and white as it used to be. Mm -hmm. And there's good and bad to that. You know, 50 years ago, there were only a few news sources, but they were also very controlled by one perspective. And so in a lot of ways, it was also very biased at that time as well. But now we have no excuse not to be responsible for how we get our information. Yeah. And so I think that's really important. Yeah. I mean, that is the beauty of like, Sometimes it can be overwhelming that there's so many choices, but at the same time, it does, it allows us to be like, okay, I need to like sort of, well, face the facts (laughs) about the media I've been consuming. And again, I just have to give a huge plug for all sides because it does help you to see like, oh my gosh, they will show, you can literally see on one screen 
as you're looking at it on your computer, like take one topic and you can see how the far left even writes headlines for it as opposed to the far right. And you can really, you start to go like, oh my gosh, now I'm totally getting how we can be so divided on these things. So that makes so much sense. And that's a good way to just start practicing listening. You know, if you are listening to other sides, you can get a sense of how one side is talking about an issue. And that's a way to listen without even engaging in conversation. It's a great way to just prepare yourself as you enter into these conversations. Yes, totally. Awesome. as we all get into our groove for 2019, it's a great time to check out ways to make family life a little easier. Something that's working so wonderfully to keep my family focused on nutritious, delicious meals is Green Chef. Green Chef is a USDA certified organic company that makes eating well easy and affordable with plans to fit every lifestyle. Meal plans include paleo, vegan, vegetarian, pescatarian, Mediterranean, heart smart, lean and clean, keto, gluten free, and omnivore. Green Chef lets you choose from a wide array of easy-to-follow lifestyles with select organic ingredients. The recipes are quick and easy with step-by-step instructions, chef tips, and photos to guide you along. There's a diverse array of meal plans with plenty of options to choose from each week so you can actually enjoy sticking to your goals this year. You can switch up your meal plan whenever you're ready to try a new way to eat. To feed my active family of six, we went with the family carnivore plan, and everyone was so excited to open our big box from Green Chef and cook up delicious meals like meatballs with chimichurri sauce and the perfect winter dinner meal, a hearty chicken stew with roasted vegetables. So for $50 off of your first box of Green Chef, go to greenchef.us slash sort of awesome. Again, $50 off your first box of Green Chef when you go to greenchef.us slash sort of awesome. Awesomes, I'm so excited to tell you that one of our favorite companies is back to bring you all the very best in modern feminine care. That's right, it's Lola. You know I have loved using Lola products for years now, and that's what I buy for my daughters as well. Why have I been a loyal fan of Lola for so long? Well, the FDA does not require brands to disclose a list of ingredients in their feminine care products, so most of them don't. Lola offers complete transparency about the ingredients found in their tampons, pads, liners, and wipes. Major brands use a mix of synthetic ingredients in their products, including rayon and polyester, and their products may be treated with harsh chemical cleansing agents, fragrances, and dyes. Lola products are 100% organic cotton and none of that other junk added. Plus, Lola makes our month a little bit easier. Their subscription is fully customizable, so we can choose a mix of products, mix of absorbency, the number of boxes, and the frequency of delivery. Lola's subscription is super flexible. You can change, skip, or cancel your subscription anytime. I absolutely love how Lola just ships what we need right to our front door. I don't even have to think about it. So awesomes, if you're ready to get started with Lola, you're gonna get 40% off of all subscriptions when you visit mylola.com and enter awesome40 when you subscribe. Again, that's 40% off all subscriptions when you go to mylola.com and enter code awesome40 when you subscribe. And then I think I have some practical things for when you're having conversations. One, I think first and foremost, is important to remember that these kinds of conversations happen best over time in relationship. So I only have a conversation once with a person that I usually don't even know before I've, you know, had this conversation and then we say goodbye and we never talk about it again. And so in some ways that keeps it kind of low stakes, but in other ways, it means that neither one of us is going to be affecting the other person's perspective all that, you know, when a guest and I come into a conversation feeling differently about it, we almost always leave also feeling the same way that we felt when we came in. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Totally. But when you are having these conversations over time and in relationship, that's when you have a chance to really be able to impact each other and to be able to influence the other person with your perspective. And so it also means that any one conversation can have pretty low stakes because it's not going to be the conversation that changes someone's mind, right? So you can go into this conversation not feeling like you have to say every single point you ever want to make on the topic because you're already entering into it knowing we're going to have this again and it's going to be okay. Yes. 
And that keeps it a little bit less pressure, right? Because I think there's sometimes where we get into these conversations and we're like, I have to prove every single thing I've ever thought about this issue. <laughs> and this is my one shot. Yeah, exactly. And it even reminds me of a related thing is, you know, we kind of talk about this in terms of parenting and talking to our kids about sex. Like you don't want it to be just like the one conversation. You want it to be yeah. an ongoing thing. It almost becomes, I mean, of course, probably all of us are going to feel sweaty and nervous every time the topic comes up. But the more you, I know this for a fact, having two teenage-ish daughters now, <laughs> the more you just keep talking about it, like the next time it's a little less squirmy and the next time it's a little less squirmy. And so it does bring down the stakes in terms, I can see how that applies to all kinds of conversations that, like you said, you don't have to make every single point in one go and just be like, okay, there, I said it, I said my piece. I mean, and then at the same time, the more you actually do it, the easier it actually becomes to do it. So. For sure, for sure. And there becomes a trust. I think that's the other part of it is that once you build the trust that like, we can talk about this well, then people engage in these conversations better, right? Because they know you're going to listen to me and I'm going to listen to you and we can do this and have these conversations. And I think that's key is over time, you build that trust. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Another thing, and I wish I could take credit for this, but this was actually a guest of mine on my show who gave me this idea, but his name was Chris Tatum. And he actually hosts a similar podcast to mine. It's called The Cross-Examined Life. His is a little more kind of debate style where they take two sides of an issue and he kind of picks apart their argument in a very respectful way to sort of help people talk about these issues better. But the idea behind them is the same, is that we want to try to talk about controversial hot button issues well. Yeah. And Chris talks about having generosity in conversation. And so he talked about it as like gift giving. Like when we think about generosity and gift giving, the gift that we give, it costs something of us. There's some sacrifice on our point and our part to give that gift, whether it's financial or time, it costs us something. And it's unearned, right? We're just giving it out of the goodness of ourself or out of a desire to bless someone with this gift. And he talks about thinking about that in our conversations in that, you know, it might mean giving someone the benefit of the doubt in the conversation, mm. even if they haven't necessarily earned it or giving them room to speak, even if they aren't giving you room to speak, that there's some generosity in our conversations. And if we approach these conversations with that idea of being generous in a sacrificial way, that can help the conversation go a lot better. That is some solid wisdom right there that I'm right. definitely going to be thinking about for a long time. It's hard. I mean, it, it does it's require hard. some measure of sacrifice on your own part to take a posture of generosity. That's really wise though. I love that. I know. Like I said, I wish I could take credit for it, but <laughs> it was his, his brilliance. Yeah. When he told me that it definitely like, it stopped me and I was like, oh, I am going to be thinking about that for a really long time. Yeah. One of the other things is I think you have to enter into the conversation with the goal to listen and not to change someone else's mind mm. because you can only control yourself at the end of the day in these conversations. You only have control over how you handle yourself. Yeah. And so if you enter into this conversation trying to change their mind, one, you're probably not going to succeed. And two, you're going to feel this pressure to kind of bully them into something, which isn't mm. going to make anybody feel better about the conversation. But if you enter into it with the goal to better understand their perspective, then you can get anything out of it that you want to, you know? Yeah. And that can be frustrating when the other person doesn't have that perspective. Oh, absolutely. But what I've yeah. found is that for the most part, people can be really disarmed by that. And again, if you're having these conversations over time, maybe the first two or three conversations, they just get everything off their chest. But eventually, then they start to see like, well, what do you have to say about this? And you have room to then insert what you think. I don't think it means you never talk in the conversation or you never offer your thoughts or opinions. But if you're always servicing this goal of better understanding how they think or why they think that way, then you just are naturally going to be a better listener in the conversation, but also just more generous and more willing to walk away from the conversation with something that is useful. And so it makes good. you feel better about the conversation. And I think, I mean, that all goes back to that very first two conversations I had before I started the podcast, where one, I entered into that conversation 100% trying to get this person to see 
the way that I see and to change their mind on how they thought. And it went terribly. And neither one of us had a good time in that conversation. But on Facebook, I genuinely just really wanted to understand the issue better. And because of that, I had room to go back and forth with some questions or to say, but what about this? I don't understand how you aren't thinking about this. And there was room for that because I was really just trying to understand. Mm. Yes. So good. Thank you for making this more practical because it can feel like such a huge thing. And if we are not in the practice of it, and if we've only seen, for example, on social media, we've only seen conversations go bad. Or even if we've only experienced those, like you explained, you know, that kind of walking away being like, oh, that felt really awful. That was not mm-hmm. a good conversation. And it, we can even walk away feeling wounded or, you know, whatever the things are like negative. It can be a little scary. So thank you for making this like, no, you're an awesome. You can do this. And Colleen's going to teach us how. And we can start taking those first steps into it with some confidence of like, okay, I've got some ground rules here for what this could look like. And really anybody can have these conversations and can do it well. I really do think that. And I think that the reality is we have to start having these conversations because the further we get from each other, the worse we are. Yeah. Thought it was really interesting when the Senate closed for the year, a lot of outgoing senators spoke to their fellow senators And they all said the same thing. They said something's broken Mm. and we are not doing this right anymore. And we've gotten too polarized and we don't talk to each other and we don't know how to work together anymore. And this is becoming a real problem that we've got to fix. I think that's what's happening in our politics and in our Congress and in our House of Senate is just an example of what's happening on our streets and in our neighborhoods and in our families. And so if we can't figure out how to do this here, It just keeps getting us to vote for people or to choose people that aren't going to do it there. And so we've got to find ways to really talk to each other about these things because it's killing us. It really is. That is so true and so profound. So my goodness, this was so good, Colleen. Thank you so much. I want everybody to go and check out A Year of Listening because when you tune into these episodes, you get to hear this in real life. Like you get to hear it being lived out. So Colleen, help us to know where we can find the podcast and also just to find you on social media, because I know people are going to want to check you out and check out the work that you're doing and kind of keep up with what you have going on. Sure. Well, you can find information about the podcast. You can find it wherever you listen to podcasts. It's a year of listening. My website is ColleenKPowell.com. And that's two L's, two E's. And there's information about the podcast, episode notes, all of that can be found there. You can follow me on social media at Colleen K. Powell. And the show is at Year of Listening on all the socials. And there's a Facebook group. We have a group, kind of just a private Facebook group that anyone's welcome to join. We just keep it private because it's a place for people to talk about these issues. And you want that to be maybe something that you know, your coworker isn't seeing pop up on their (laughs) Facebook feed. Yes, totally. So it's facebook.com slash groups slash year of listening. And it's a great place to have conversations about all of these topics. So, so helpful. Of course, you all know, I will put links to all of that in the show notes so that you can go find Colleen and follow this work that she's doing. And like I said, to actually get to have some really great modeling of these conversations is such a gift to us. Really, it genuinely is. So I'm so thankful for your time and coming to teach us what you know how to do really well today, Colleen. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. This was such a blast. I've been listening since you started the show. And so it feels very surreal to be on (laughs) as a guest. I'm a little like, oh, man. Thank you for the work that you're doing and for encouraging your awesomes to be brave and to have these conversations. I think that's really valuable. Yep. Like I said, it's our awesome revolution. So (laughs) (laughs) the time is right for sure. If you want to find me on social media, I'm at Sorta Awesome Meg in all of the places. You can find the show over on Twitter at Sorta Awesome Pod. And we are always on Facebook any time of the day or night at facebook.com slash Sorta Awesome. You guys, thanks so much for listening and we'll see y'all next time. Sorta Awesome was created and is hosted by me, Meg Teets. Sarah Robertson is our assistant producer and production collaboration comes from Kelly Gordon and Rebecca Hoffer. 
Kelly Gordon is our digital media producer, and we are so thankful for the ongoing support from our listener supporters. Music is provided by the band Prager. You can find more of Prager's music at pragermusic.com. To find show notes on this and every episode of Sorta Awesome, and also to spread the Sorta Awesome love to all of your friends, you can head on over to sortaawesomeshow.com. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.